Welcome to Casey Corner episode 81. Back to our normal day, and we have some uh, construction going on yeah, outside. Yeah, a little bit of work outside. Kind of. Uh, sometimes we've had birds singing outside, mm-hmm. different sounds. We might have some hammering going on. Yes, yeah, drills. Who knows what's going on down there? <laughs> so, so what is going on down there? Well, a little bit of a uh, construction project uh, <clears throat> happening, a uh, little extension to uh, our, our bathroom area. A good friend of ours is helping us do, which is exciting stuff. And uh, uh, But hey... Um, <laughs> Maybe we could start like a, a cadence, like we could rap. Yes, to it, you know? yes, I think so. I think so. that's what the people want to hear is hear us rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that would be the last one. Eighty-one. What ended the show? It was, they were rapping. Oh no. Oh man, we can jump right into it then with this past week uh, with work dynamics and flourishing for the household of God. You know, it was interesting. I was talking to a church member yesterday, somebody you know very well, and uh, she was saying that she really appreciated the nuts and bolts of this, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, so it's, it's wonderful. The Bible gives us some incredible philosophical big things to wrestle with and also gives us some details. How do we work? And but the biggest thing, what I meant to say uh, on Sunday, first of all, you got to see the context of slavery. I mean, it's just so different in our day and, and, and their day. And what does it mean? How in the world could Paul write and say, by the way, slaves, honor your masters, basically? You know, I mean, doesn't he want to say, you know, run, you know, fight for your freedom or whatever? So trying to find that context. And I think uh, by God's grace, having the Labor Day a weekend context of how Labor Day, what it meant to the uh, to those who first back in the late 19th century were trying to uh, you know get the the right labor laws in place and a lot of the abuses was going on. So to try to understand the context was so important at first and what does that really mean? But the bottom line is Brooks is that it comes to perspective. I mean God has made us to be workers and God has made us to be servants and ultimately servants for Him and really. What I tried to say or what I meant to say was, you know, we could wake up and try to find our identity in what we do. We can wake up and try to make it all about us, but it's not going to be enough. But if we can really see that uh, God has created us to, to serve him, and then you realize how amazingly beautiful that Jesus was a servant and he served us. And so, um, you know, my hope and prayer as a pastor is that the, the my beloved congregation would really understand that what they do on Monday through Friday or whatever their work schedule is, is so important. But to do it from the perspective of a kingdom worldview really brings life to it instead of, uh, it's still going to be hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still because of man's sin, everything is broken, but it's just that work dynamic perspective is so important. Yeah, we're called to work and there's nothing really in the Bible talking about retirement and this is when you can rest and you are able to just hang out but we're called to work our entire lives whether it's through a career or like you said when people do kind of stop their career working in the church or in other different ways yeah and I think that even when we're working in the uh, our careers we really should be working on the kingdom I mean mm-hmm. how is God given you how does how is baseball cloud how you are the aroma of Christ I mean when you're there I mean how do you how do you help bring order to a curveball uh, in a way that somehow points to our great God. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it all connects to him uh, mm-hmm. because of how he's created us. And and to, to realize it's not just about uh, us. Uh, man, hey, welcome to the dentist office. <laughs> they're, they're hitting us <laughs> both. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Uh, it's not just about us and, and finding our 
uh, our worth and what we do, but really advancing Christ's kingdom. And any sermon about work obviously has to mention honoring your boss, whether you like him or hurt him or her or not, or everyone's worked for a terrible boss, but having to honor your boss, even if you uh, despise them. You know, and it's, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, even honoring, we're so selfish, honoring good bosses isn't an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, and I think of that in the marriage context as well. I, I remember Katie and I learning that, you know, hey, if you could honor your spouse, uh, even when they don't deserve it. Because you're really honoring Christ. I mean, you're really honoring what God has said to you. And, and that just, it changes the whole paradigm. It goes from this, you know, earthy one-to-one connection where they bring something divine into it that, hey, let me, how do I honor my boss? I mean, he or she's a creep, you know, mm-hmm. and how do I do it? Well, you know, as I do this, I am honoring God. And uh, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's not only uh, gives us the right perspective. It, I think it also gives us the right rocket fuel. It fuels us to to do that which God has called us to do. But, Brooksy, the bottom line, when we realize that God's never going to ask us to do something he himself is not worthy or, or worth or, or would not do for us, you know, God will do, he's honored us. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we did not deserve it. He honored us enough to give his life for us. And so here we see Christ's example in our own lives. It really should be that rocket fuel that helps us. Yep, and that was the final point I was going to make with where we're honored to serve. Jesus as our example, Jesus as our servant. He's not asking us to do anything that he hadn't done. Yeah, I love that about the gospel. I love that about our Savior. You know, it's not, hey, I'm going to show up on earth and say, hey, here's the bar. I hope you all can make it. Uh, he's going to show up and say, by the way, I'll, I'll reach the bar for you. I'm going to give you grace every step of the way. And what I ask you to do, I'm going to do myself. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, when you fail to do it, I'm going to, I got your back. I got mm-hmm. you. It's good stuff, Brooksy. Mm-hmm. So what do we have to look forward to this week? Then? You know, again, practical stuff. It's like, what are you pursuing? And what's ringing in my ears is the, uh, the verse that we'll look at. And there's a lot of important things like the love of money is the root of all evil. We got there. But uh, it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness and contentment. How, how elusive are those two things? Mm-hmm. First of all, godliness and then, uh, then contentment. How elusive is contentment? You know, contentment and the American dream seem to be like, I'm polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And where I am right now, and I, I haven't, I haven't, you know, I got a lot of studying to do still, is, you know, to me, that how does contentment and passion go hand in hand? How does, how does contentment and drive go to hand? You know, I mean, I, I grew up in an era, I think a little different than yours. Well, I know a little different than yours as I see it in my own kids. You know, I, I was kind of told, hey, climb the corporate ladder. I mean, the biggest thing you could do is climb the corporate ladder. I mean, get to the top, fight your way to the top, you know, earn your way to the top, however you get there, but just keep climbing. It's, 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 it's so worth it. And I think when you have that keep climbing mentality, contentment is very elusive. And, uh, you know, being content and yet still being driven. That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but even, even with that godliness um, and contentment, what an incredible combination. Yeah, and I think it goes day by day where your head can hit the pillow for one day. You can be content with the work you did the, and everything you put into it. And then that next morning, the drive kicks in and you want more and want to keep climbing that ladder. And I think it's a fine line that you have to balance of. Obviously, we want to be good workers and sure. everything, good employees, but not uh, making it our lives. Well, you know, you know, Brooksy, that contentment that you say can be so elusive. It's so such a great point. I think it, it's so much based on how we feel about our worth and our work ethic. You know, I, 
I was talking to Katie last night saying, you know, last week I was coming home uh, from work and, and thinking, uh, you know, uh, man, I mean, we, we're getting so much done. We're just, it's amazing all the things we're getting done. And yesterday it was just a grind. I just felt <laughs> like yeah, I could hardly get anything done. You know, it was like, oh my gosh. And uh, um, it, it's hard not to find your worth in the fact that, man, was I productive or not productive. And, you, you know, you always kind of want to be productive. But if we can find our worth outside of what we do and whose we are and how we're loved, that's going to give us the jet fuel again to be um, content and, or, or to be able to even pursue godliness. And, and the other side of that coin, Brooks, is that godliness piece. Um, I was... I was Skyping yesterday with somebody. Skype, uh, throwback, not Zoom. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It was a Skype, and it's it, it, it was coming in. It came into my iPad. I'm like, hey, is this really working? But uh, it was a throwback Skype to someone out of the country, uh, and they were they were in a crisis, and they were saying that you know, hey, I feel like I'm at a crossroads. Where do I go this way or that way? But if I go this direction toward God, there's a lot of things I'm going to give up. There's a lot of things that I kind of enjoy. I'm not sure I'm ready to give those up. And I think I think there's a lot of honesty if, if we really boiled it down to people to say, hey, where are you with the Lord? Um, do you want to go further? I bet you a lot of people say, you know what? I really don't because I'm kind of enjoying these things. And I feel like for me to go further with the Lord, it would be giving up these things. And these are the things that I enjoy. These are the things that I find identity or worth or whatever. And I, I feel like we've been so bamboozled that by the enemy and by our flesh is that the closer we get to God, the less joy we're going to have or the less we're going to find ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I, I really believe the more that we surrender to God and the more we pursue him, the more not only joy we have, but the more we find ourselves, mm -hmm. our true selves. So. Yeah. Getting closer to him, you're always going to have, if you're kind of that person born with a great work ethic, it's not going to go away because you're trying to get closer to God. It'll be brought out even more so, um, and you'll find more joy in it. It's not just for you or to see your bank account or anything. It's, it's true. That's true. I and mean, you know what? But at the same time, let me just confess again that all the things the world offers are so alluring and, and tempting to me. You know mm -hmm. I mean? I mean, I think deep down I'm a materialist. I mean, deep down I love... Uh, trying to figure out what's the stock market doing and, you know, how, how's my retirement doing and, mm -hmm. you know, um, what's, where's my next vacation? Where's my next golf round? You know, where's my next fun new pair thing? of shoes, everything. E exactly. It feels you know? nice to have so, new so, clothes. It does. So, uh, anyway, yeah. for a day, yeah, for a day, for a day, you know, I think we pretty much nailed it on hope to say, I, hope, I think, I think we so. just, I think we just skipped to the next one now. <laughs> no, People no, can just no. listen to this. Exactly. <laughs> No, please still come. So, and we're, we're nearing the home stretch. I think they're after this week. I think I got two more sermons, and then we're done with First Timothy. Mm-hmm. All wow. done. All done. Yeah, we we've been plumbing the depths, haven't we? We have, which is great. Hey, we're gonna go back to Keller for a little bit. Is yes. That right? Yeah. So, that's chapter ten, the problem of sin. Oh man, what a huge what a huge chapter. I mean, really, it's incredible. And again, I, I know we've we've talked about on Casey Corner. One of the things I love about the Bible and Christianity and, and the story that God has given us is he gives us a story that explains to us why things are as they are, why we are as we are. It gives us a, let's say, a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. a lens to see the world through that makes sense. But, you know, something he says, Keller says, something fundamentally has gone wrong with our world. <laughs> I mean, is that not true? I mean, something fundamentally has gone wrong. 
And it's gone wrong, not just in my world, it's gone wrong socially in our world and even in nature, you know, I mean, how, how broken and volatile, I mean, as people are cleaning up after Hurricane Ida, I heard there was an earthquake yesterday in Mexico and he just, uh, everything is broken. There's mm-hmm. something that truly has gone fundamentally wrong. Yep, and I think when uh, non-Christians hear the word sin, they think just breaking of rules, like the Ten Commandments or the breaking of divine rules, and really it's just, they, he defines it as sin is not wanting to be oneself before God, and faith is that the self and being itself and wanting to be itself is grounded transparently in God. It was so good, and I, I love that. And, you know, he went on to say, I think in that section as well, Brooks, to say, you know, sin is really taking some good things and making them ultimate things. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to uh, find that identity and our worth apart from God. And and, uh, and that's where that, you know, the number one commandment is having no other God before me. I mean, it's it's uh, that, that sin of putting something above God. And then when as soon as we put something above God, we look to that to find our identity, our joy, our worth, our security. And we're going to we're going to desperately pursue that, whether that's our career, our spouse, our kids, whatever it is. We've taken a good thing, made it an ultimate thing. And then when it doesn't work for us, you know, we go nuts. And kind of going off that, another point I had was sin is not primarily the violation of laws, but a wrecked relationship with God, one another, and the whole created order. So yeah. what you're saying of just putting yourself or your career achievements or relationships or anything over God itself and then also the people around you. It's, it's so so true, and, and I think coupled with that, he talks about our incredible, insatiable need for worth, mm-hmm. that all of us want to feel worthy of something. And so if you take God out of the equation, if our worth isn't found in him, where do we find it? You mm-hmm. know, we find it in what we do. We, we find it in our pursuits. And, uh, you know, that's why we get so addicted. I mean, that's why uh, we, we, we try so hard. I mean, it's what Augustine said way back in the 300s, our hearts will forever wander until they find their rest in God. I mean, mm-hmm. it's because we were made for God or that, that God-shaped hole, I think it talked about as well, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we will try to fill that uh, with what the world offers. Why? Because we want to feel our worth. We want to feel that, you know, <laughs> that we are worthy. And the beautiful thing about this, he, it's interesting how Keller talked about People don't realize that understanding you're a sinner really should lead to hope. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it gives us hope for something outside of ourselves. And he told that really interesting story about that guy showing up, that well-dressed young man at the AA meeting, mm-hmm. uh, making it sound like everything that's gone wrong with him is somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this disheveled guy in dreadlock said, uh, you know, hey, I felt that way too until I realized. I don't know if it was, uh, it wasn't self-loathing. It was kind of, it was mm-hmm. like becoming aware that I'm a sinner yeah that that becoming aware of a sinner that leads to hope so you know let's try to bring this to conclusion I mean I'd love the fact uh maybe a weird word to use love but I really greatly appreciate the fact that because of sin entering the world we realize everything's been broken Mm -hmm. broken inside broken relationally broken socially broken uh environmentally Mm -hmm. the world is broken yeah but what does Jesus promise hey I'm going to make all things new and that in Christ Jesus, um, you know, we can now, from all this brokenness, start to see our worth not in the brokenness around us or within us, but through the one who was broken so that we can be restored. And that, you know, our worth is in the image that we reflect. Our worth is in the blood that was shed to redeem us. Our worth is in the spirit that fills us. Our worth is in our God. And it just frees us from having to endlessly pursue 
worth and what the world will say this find it here because it'll ultimately prove empty Mm -hmm. i think non-christians view the world as good and they kind of have to make sure they keep themselves clean of it and contribute to society and then christians see it as completely broken not just breaking the laws that which is sin it's just every relationship we have people working in your uh, backyard when we're trying to do a church podcast everything is broken (laughs) so and but we have hope in it it's not pessimistic view of it we have hope that everything will be new and will be made new and uh, all tears wiped away yeah man we look forward to that don't we we and, do uh, you know I, I wish as you're saying that i'm just thinking lord why don't i believe that more often how 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 become how come that's so elusive at times you know that i know this in my head how come this hasn't gone down to my heart or mm-hmm. more importantly down to my my shoe leather or as today my sandals, <laughs> sandals. But my flip-flops <laughs> and so uh exactly so anyway yeah Hey, um, Casey updates going into the weekend. lots of stuff, Brooksy. Holy cow, this is fun. <laughs> let's see, let's see if you'll remember them all. I can't, I won't remember <laughs> them all, but let's start off. But hey, this Friday, if anybody's listening out there, uh, would love to, we'd love to have you come to, if you want to know more about King's Chapel, come to our house for dinner this Friday. We're having our Casey family connection, um, which is a phenomenal time to get to know people better and introduce them to King's Chapel a little bit more and, and maybe have them lead toward membership. And then Sunday, big day Sunday, we're going to have our, our Casey family luncheon, churchwide luncheon after church. And uh, um, love to have people come. We, you know, in the summer months, we kind of interrupted that. This will be the first one for the fall. And then next Sunday night, we're going to have our, all the King's men back. And we're going to try to move that to the, uh, to the church um, to kind of also help with some of the training that's going to be going on in the fall. And so uh, I envision, you know, Cornhole being out and just guys hanging out and sitting around and, and cooking out and having a great time of fellowship and some learning. So that's going to be Sunday night at six. And then, uh, and then shortly after the following week, we'll be launching our, our Casey groups, um, which we're going to be studying what's so amazing about grace and really looking forward to that. And again, we got some 20 somethings of 30 somethings and two North of forties and another group, uh, that we're going to start on Sunday nights for um, prayer, mm-hmm. um, which we're excited about. And then, uh, lastly, uh, we'll have start the officer training is coming up. And so, mm-hmm. uh, this will be the last Sunday to nominate officers. We got a great amount of people, uh, that were nominated. So, uh, that cranks up. It's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's good stuff. Almost too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some truth to that. You know? So, uh, I feel like there's too much. So, uh, my, my mind's spinning for sure. That's all right. That's all right. Well, that's all I've got this week. Well, Brooksy, my man, uh, UCF is one and zero. You're wearing a Bolt shirt. They're yep. coming back. It'll be mm-hmm. they're Sports world right is now. great. The sports, it is. <laughs> sports world is great. We got it's football still back. <laughs> no, no, football's back, which is great. Hey, how awesome was it seeing Milton? At, oh at yeah, State? He, he was. He looked great out there. It's uh, fun seeing him back on the field. Those of you who don't know, what we're talking about this is a UCF quarterback that got such a terribly broken leg. They didn't know if he would a survive that injury. And then not only that, would he would he keep his leg? And now he's back. Thousand and seventeen days of rehab, back on the football field. Man, that's playing. incredible. <laughs> that's so cool. Yep. All yep. right, Brooksy, it's always a joy. And listen, uh, everybody out there in Casey Land, thanks for listening today. See you.